0: Hi everyone. Uh, my name is Ilias. Just by means of introduction, uh, as Jessica said, I'm the Black Students Officer for the National Union of Students. So that means I represent students of African, Asian, Arab, and Caribbean heritage in colleges, universities, and apprenticeships. And um, oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, across the UK. Uh, so the campaign that I represent has four pillars of work. So that's anti-racist and anti-fascist organising, increasing representation in colleges and universities. Um, Oh, God, this really is broken. Um, and we're back. Uh, equality in education and international peace and justice. So uh, the one that we're go- I'm going to focus on today is really about equality in education. Um, so there's been, this has been something that's been spoken about, I guess, heavily across the sector, really, uh, over the last one and two years, especially. Um, but it's been something that's been on the radar for decades uh, in the making. Uh, and what we often find, especially when I talk to the students I represent, is equality in education, and education is something that they've spoken about from quite a young age, uh, is something which is seen um, by many communities of colour as being uh, as being a tool to get out of deprivation, as being a stepping, uh, a stepping stone out of deprivation, as being the key to uh, self actualization However, what we find is that romanticised re- rhetoric is rarely reflected in reality. Instead, when transitioning to higher education, transitioning to university many students are confronted by truth that's very far removed um, from this uh, ideal um, of getting out of deprivation and and they're faced with a climate which can seem they're faced with classrooms that seem detached or in some cases even hostile to them with covert and overt racism attached into their everyday experiences upon leaving university students are then straddled with the burden of debt and racism rose its head in the job market and the notion of education as breaking that cycle of inequality Fades dimmer and dimmer. So just drawing on my own experience, so, uh, I'm from uh, Manchester, I was born and raised there, eventually attending the University of Manchester, yet the university on my doorstep was very different to the Manchester I grew up in. Quite often in big cities uh, like Manchester, huge universities are close to areas with low levels of progression into them, um, with the communities around the institution benefiting the least from them. We have world leading institutions, in some cases in Manchester, like the Graphene Institute, uh, just a few minutes away from council estates. For those of you fortunate enough to have visited the greatest city in the UK, um, <laughs> the way that Manchester is built is there's Oxford Road right where the university is situated uh, and around it you have communities like Longside, Rush Home, Mossside, Ardwick, Old Trafford, Bolly Range uh, and many more, all in close proximity but miles away in thinking, uh, and, uh, in thinking of the university and being thought of by the university. And this was reflected in the culture of the institution I stepped into, which again was far removed both from what I had known all my life and what could be found just beyond the borders of the campus. Uh, I still remember the first time I went to the university. I had no idea it was a 15 minute walk from my house and I just got lost on campus, uh, which is a nice analogy for the rest of my time there. Um, and And being... Uh, unable to relate to the campus is something which I think resonates with many black and brown students and working class students all over. The feeling of being in our universities but not being part of them. So now the experiences and outcomes of non-white students in higher education has been a discussion topic for almost as long as there have been non-white students in higher education. But conversations about race and racial injustice in academia often end up rerouted into dead-end discussions around diversity, buried in boardrooms and relegated to research reports having little impact on the lives of students at the sharp end. Through it, all black and brown students often remain an object of examination by institutions forever living under the microscope. Rather than being considered as part of a university community worth engaging with as equals, we often find ourselves examined through the prism of a problem population, something that disrupts the otherwise smooth running of the institution and that needs to be paved over or rectified. The question of the attainment gap has emerged of something as a a, a rallying point uh, over the last few years. Whilst the attainment gap, the systematic disparity in degree outcomes for non-white students, as well as other segments of the student population, uh, compared to their peers, has long existed and been examined, action around it has only recently begun picking up pace in a major way. With the fates and futures of students often hinging on the figures of their degree certificate, there's of course every reason to mobilise around it. And yet many of these initial interventions and schemes around the attainment gap still managed to miss the mark. In 2011, the NUS Black Students Campaign produced a Race for Equality report which has orientated much of the work around the attainment gap ever since and highlighted multiple issues found within higher education um, (coughs) which contributed towards BME students' dissatisfaction and systematic underachievement. Some of the key issues raised included a Eurocentric curriculum which black students were unable to relate to as they felt it wasn't reflective of the diverse contributions in the field, but extended to all spheres of the educational experience from pastoral care to treatment at the hands of white students and staff and beyond. Yet for many the attainment gap is just a statistic, something of an aberration that needs to be quickly fixed and dealt with. Often the root causes of the gap are never properly interrogated or analysed. Giving rise to the deficit model approach, students of colour and working class students and other segments identified as the problem leading to the gap. It is their underachievement that must be solved and this must necessarily involve measures to better integrate them with the university and university environment. Exactly what was said before, we see the student as the problem, not the system. A more critical approach looking at how the university environment and structures need to be critiqued, challenged and actually reshaped um, to better serve students was often absent. But in recent years, we saw students and staff beginning to make moves to address the issues they were faced with on their own terms. Rather than passively accepting projects carried out in their own names, a new wave of initiatives looked at students as agents of change, not as the problems, but very much holding the key to the solution. We saw one of the first examples of this, in the ambassador scheme launched at Birmingham University and later expanding. Uh, it was in fact the same, uh, I think, a funding that the Changing Mindsets project is Uh, funded by which we put a bid into at Manchester um, whilst I was there Uh, and so we expanded the ambassador scheme to Manchester taking on the approach of building from the ground up led by the students themselves organising within departments rather than considering the gap in isolation the ambassadors aim to consider the black and brown experience in all its breadth, from curricula to welfare and pastoral care to the services funded by the university to nurture the progression And this is crucial given that the attainment gap is a symptom of wider structural issues within the education system. It is an expression of so many complex and deep-rooted issues of institutional racism that operate below the surface at universities. And addressing it should be an ongoing reflexive exercise um, that takes into account how the university functions and how each process of teaching and learning can concretize race inequality. Reducing it to a numbers game will be an approach that leads to further dead ends and only perpetuates the cycle of inequality. I say cycle because we can't situate the attainment gap in higher education uh, as the only fixed point that students of colour and working class students go through within the education system. The cycle of inequality goes all the way back to catchment areas for primary schools. The gap begins in early years uh, and is already evident when students begin school age 5. The gap widens at every level of education. Uh, showing the importance of intervening early. What we also find is uh, we see the gaps in GCSEs as well, in GCSE attainment between students with free school meals and those not in free school meals, as well as disparities uh, and attainment gaps based on race. This continues into further education, with many students report be reported being encouraged out of higher education by advisors and tutors in sixth form and college or pushed away from what people perceive as traditionally academically rigorous courses. We then see them put through an application service that is 23 times more likely to flag uh, to flag uh, applications from black applicants. Then continuing forward, let's say they enter higher education. They enter a world where the student room last year reports one in two students face or witness racism. Last year, the Independent sent a Freedom of Information request to every university. Um, to find out how many incidents of racism had been reported and they found that in the last academic year, the universities across the country had together calculated 129, we opened a Google survey, we got more than that in a week Um, and you know, that only just goes to show the extent to which like we already know reporting mechanisms within institutions, just like third party hate crime reporting centres, right like they do not work and we know that Uh, the very people that run these services talk about the lack of reporting happening, so we need to delve further into that. Um, So I was actually at a UK roundtable, which I can promise is just as exhilarating as it sounds, um, where Vice-Chancellor was speaking about the lack of incidents that they had had reported on their campus uh, in regards to racism, to which I had to uh, inform them about the numerous students on their campus that had contacted me with stories uh, and had wanted support because of everything from being facing microaggressions and uh, racist slurs and seminars to being chased off campus. Let's say they get through that, the the overt racism, and let's say they grapple with the imposter syndrome, the mental health crisis in institutions, the creeping prevent duty, and much more. Uh, then they face the attainment gap. Beyond that, they're half as likely to be in graduate employment than their white counterparts. And then they face all the barriers in the workplace, but uh, I'm not going to delve too much into that. So. In parallel, in parallel to the movements uh, and the work that we've started to have, see in institutions, we've seen movements like the Wise and White movement uh, recently transitioning, sort of, I guess, into the decolonised campaigns, exploding into the discussion and completely redefining how we talk about race in education. Starting at UCL uh, and SOAS and in other institutions in London and spreading across the country, these campaigns rallied around a radical critique of the whitewash nature of higher education and how well even into the 21st century, universities in Britain stay venerating a small circle of European theories and theories from, think- from centuries past. And almost effortlessly, those five words, why is my curriculum right, managed to encapsulate the experiences of students of colour, capturing the consciousness of their communities, channeling their energy and challenging preconceptions about what a university is for. And the strength in those movements lay in how they pushed the boundaries of just what ideas like diversity could mean why is my curriculum white touch the conversation beyond who is being taught and even who is doing the teaching onto the question of what's being taught how is it being taught for what purpose are we doing that teaching away from the numbers game onto a holistic critique of how our universities work um and it's within this context that uh sorry uh where was i Ah, yes, I question the unspoken wisdom that underpins many of our institutions of learning. A curriculum and education system that narrowed the field to one where the Western world's way of thinking is legitimate and minimising non-white contributions to history, just provides an intellectual varnish to the racism that haunts many universities. And with Wise My Curriculum White, the urgency of radically redefining education was thrown into the open, with hundreds of thousands of often young black and brown students uh, asking Uh, crucial questions about the nature of our universities and our places in them and more importantly how to take ownership of them. So whilst initiatives around the attainment gap outline the nature of institutionalised racism uh, and why it might be abolished, Why is My Curriculum White was very much about presenting a vision of the education system that could be built in its place. And it's within this context that schemes like changing mindsets are born. The possibilities of a scheme uh, such as this has really yet to be fully tapped and it's up to you uh, how much you disrupt the status quo across your campuses and I very much look forward to hearing about it in the months to come. The data describing our experiences our experience has long existed and being recycled. The power of schemes like this is giving voice to the students behind the stats and in opening up the conversations about what a liberated education looks like and really strike to the heart of questions uh, the heart of que- the heart of questions about our relationships to our universities. Schemes like this can shift discussions from classrooms and boardrooms and help uplift a generation of students of colour and working class students, ensuring they don't just survive, but thrive. Making our universities inclusive spaces of learning and un- unlocking the transformative potential of education, bringing us that much closer to the ideals that our parents dreamed of. The theme of this keynote is around lessons learned, um, So I helped craft a bit at Manchester at the same time Um, As this project I want to share some of the difficult lessons From my time seeing that project uh, As well as many of the other projects uh, Across the country Launch, face difficulty um, And thrive So the first uh, sort of lesson That I would definitely say Which I think is such a challenging thing To grapple with in institutions Is the importance of being reflexive Um, So just by quick show of hands Who's seen the new season of The Good Place On Netflix? Quite a few people, great Um, Don't spoil it I, I won't, don't worry so there's just one but I am actually going to have to spoil it myself, so you might want to cover your ears um, so you know when you get to that scene where Michael and the folks realize that the system of metrics of calculating good and bad is flawed uh, and they assemble a committee of people who say it'll take at least 400 years for them to decide the next step uh, it's a scene that rings eerily familiar of university committees and working groups uh, with clashing calendars Uh, and worry about not having enough research, meaning we can be reluctant to make brave decisions and go off script. The work being done done at the moment is new. It's never been done on your campuses before in some cases. Uh, I'm sorry there's no perfect path for you to follow or some cheat code for you to use. Um, You're writing, literally as you do this work, a piece of history every day. So be willing to think of different ways of decision making uh, as part of that. Think of open meetings, think of more innovative ways of uh, doing things. Uh, and, you know, be reflexive, don't relegate things and just push things back um, to the next committee meeting or working group. Like, be more willing to to be brave, I guess. Equal partners. Your students uh, cannot be perceived to be recipients of, uh, of aid. They have to be equal partners and agents of change as well. We can't approach this through patronising lenses of wanting to do good. Uh, as some of the big uh, biggest challenges in this work come from well-intentioned people. It's critical that any of the decisions are made with all the partners in the work being involved from students, community members, staff members uh, and by staff members I don't just mean sort of like senior management or PBCs um, but staff on all levels of delivery Uh, and I'm sure the panel that you have uh, coming up with students will expand more uh, on what that could look like (coughs) Terms of reference, don't limit yourselves to thinking into a siloed version of the scale of the task ahead of you. Your universities and the sector at large is fundamentally broken. That's why we're all gathered here today, because fundamentally our institutions are perpetuating the cycle of inequality, which is leaving segments of real people, not just statistics, worse off than others. So imagine beyond the terms of reference of the work you're doing, of how you see the structures around you operating, and what you could see an equitable university looking like, what accountability looks like in that institution, what collaboration looks like in that institution. Look beyond where you have before. Um, if I would say, if you have an amazing people, uh, of, uh, with, if you have an amazing group of people with you around the table, you're missing 10 more. Um, the people around your table are brilliant in their own fields, but the priority are not those on the table. Where are the ones that aren't there? Are they in halls? Are they in student societies? Are they in the library writing a last minute essay? Because, like me, they are horrific procrastinators. Um, are they student societies? Like, student societies are an incredible, untapped. Um, resource on many campuses there are uh, active students with obscene networks uh, on campus what we often see in terms of that is I'll just give you an example at Manchester uh, At Manchester when I um, was elected the diversity officer there they just spent about 18 months doing a research report um, into the attainment gap and then they were thinking of bringing together a cross-institutional Uh, working group uh, on attainment to come together. Um, we refused to be participants in it until we knew that they were willing to actually put funding behind it. Um, so we could run projects. And what we did as part of that was we actually got this pot of money behind a working group. And then the University of Manchester, um, is a incredibly like large organization comparatively with most, with most higher education institutions. I think it's like 42,000 students now. Um, And so what we did was we allowed individual departments and modules to bid in to the working group for different projects that they wanted to run. Uh, And part of that, and some of this was literally like connecting them with the students that they're teaching who they thought didn't care about what was being taught. Um, So for example, one of the things that we did was in the business school um, where we had quite a few administrators complaining about uh, and saying that part of the reason that they were finding uh, uh, entertainment in a lot of international students was many students were, were going through a, a mental health crisis but had no idea about extenuating circumstances, had no idea about the support they could receive. So it was as simple as connecting them with student societies that could translate some material and get it out in networks where people uh, ha- actually use so, beyond sort of all student emails into things like Weibo and things like that, um, where students were actually starting to get information um, that they needed. So, uh, don't be, uh, what was I? Yeah. So, student media is uh, also an interesting resource. It's amazing when our projects uh, have Eventbrite on university websites relegated to a thousand subsections between uh, underneath uh, the main page. Um, but what about things like student newspaper? Have they written uh, on the disparity in attainment? Have your student media team created a short video on your project um, and launched it out through their networks? This is just more opportunities to try and get students involved. Um, my wonderful folks from Student Unions, uh, if there are any of you here, um, you like me have fallen into the trap of only talking to students during election week uh, and after that failing uh, to do the things like knocking on people's halls uh, and shamelessly stopping everyone at bus stops during election season, but feeling awkward doing it later. Like, don't be afraid to just stop students uh, and find the spaces where people are gathering and talk to them about the project and get their ideas on it as well. Um, don't be afraid if you don't get a pitch perfect. Like I said before, the work requires knowing you won't get it perfect. But every mistake made um, may maybe campus specific or just down to a certain set of variables. We have to approach this work facing each challenge as it comes. Be brave, question the unquestioned wisdom of your institutions. The attainment gap won't be solved in and of itself. Building resilience is impossible without properly funded health services. There's no point in additional support sessions if students are doling, uh, if students are doing more part-time hours at work because of the absurd rent they pay. Staff on precarious and fixed-term contracts struggle to teach and support students in conditions that are in very in many cases destroying their own mental health. Part of working in dis- on disparities in the academy is reimagining the academy. So, and the the sort of, I guess the last thing I'll say is um, it's important to remember that actually I don't think there's been a a moment in time where this has not been on the agenda more. Uh, Over the last year, higher education continues to dominate uh, the agenda with conversations on attainment, access, and decoloniality, putting food on the tables of Guardian journalists for months. Uh, Use that, hold events we think students will love, discuss, debate, and enjoy. Uh, Far too often we say our students won't enjoy that, or that's not really right for our students. Uh, we don't think they'll be interested, um, but you never know without trying, right? No campaign or change was made without an understanding of what people wanted to occur. It's also a time when race is increasingly on the agenda, from the curriculum to the hostile environment, uh, and conversations on those topics can foster understanding of race, uh, can foster a better understanding of race on campus. Um, I guess I'll sort of end there, but those were just sort of some of the things that I remember, and I know there's countless projects that have probably been spoken about earlier today. I'm really sorry I couldn't make it um, for much of the session. Um, But I just wanted to share some of the lessons that I've picked up on uh, and I look forward to any questions you have.